Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness. Today, we're releasing a bonus episode about the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, just over a month ago. We know from guests like Aaron Brockovich that a community is only as healthy as the air they breathe and the water they drink. If you have not seen that movie, honey, get your life together. When this train derailed, it exposed Ohio residents, their pets, and local wildlife to hazardous materials, and they've been feeling the health impacts ever since. Last week on Instagram Live, I had the opportunity to speak to two community advocates from River Valley Organizing about what's happening on the ground in Ohio. These two guests, Emily Wright and Justin Garner, live in the immediately surrounding communities and have been directly impacted as a result of this train derailment. This conversation was so impactful that we wanted to release a modified version of it for our podcast feed as a bonus episode. The audio quality is not the best we've ever done, so just bear with us on that. Mine is not as good as theirs is specifically, but I really was so moved by the information and I thought that the information was so impactful from the people who got to listen to it on Instagram Live that we should release it here. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Emily Wright and Justin Garner from River Valley Organizing, where I asked them, what's happening in East Palestine? We are trying again. We are trying again. Trying again. Trying again. Uh, it's like in the words of iconic Aaliyah, if at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. Hi, everyone. Hi, hi, hi. Let's pick it up where we left off. Ohio. Okay. Ohio. Emily, take it away. What is going on? So about actually a month ago yesterday on February 3rd, and pardon my voice, we've all had symptoms since this and been talking so much, so it may sound a little rough. I apologize. Sure. I live just, you know, I don't live in East Palestine. I live one community over. I'm about six miles from the derailment site. We had a, a large train derail on Friday night, and this is on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. If you're familiar with our region, we're about an hour outside of Pittsburgh, and a lot of people, you know, work in the area in Pittsburgh. So after this happened, we didn't hear a lot of news. We just kept getting like alerts on our phone that there were certain evacuations. We didn't really get a full picture. And then on Monday, we started getting a lot of alerts that there were multiple cars of vinyl chloride and other different chemicals. Vinyl chloride is a very toxic substance that's used to make plastics eventually. And there was four different chemicals, I won't go through it all, and a lot of oil that was spilled out. We didn't know that at that time. It's February 3rd. You're just minding your own business. It's Friday night. You get some like automatic alerts to your phone, like when like an Amber Alert comes up or something, and it's like telling you that there's evacuations in surrounding communities, and that's it. Yeah, basically. And we really didn't even have that Friday night. From Friday to Sunday, there was really no picture of what was going on. We had people that were flying drones over to try to figure out, but we didn't really hear a lot. There may be five cars with toxic stuff. There may be 10 cars. So on Monday, we start getting these alerts Sunday night into Monday that they're evacuating people. Apparently, one of the cars was going to blow up. Wow. And it was going to be catastrophic and they didn't have any good solutions, we were told. So they were going to do a controlled burn of the sub. There's no such thing as a controlled burn out in the environment of these substances. It's just something to not freak out the public. I guess. So then by Monday, you were saying. Yeah. So we were told at 3.30 p.m. they were going to do this burn because the car was going to explode and shrapnel could go up to a mile. And so they evacuated everyone from the immediate area. They were going to do this burn. 
Unfortunately, it went off two hours late and we had a call for high winds. So instead of the cloud going up into the atmosphere, it went over four counties in two states. Oh my God. Um, The next day, we started seeing dead fish everywhere, dead animals. People had dead chickens. There was a fox sanctuary, dead foxes. I didn't even know we had a fox sanctuary. People were having symptoms. They were talking about how we were supposed to be sheltering in place. That's all we heard. And people were covering their windows with blankets, doing whatever. We get told that there's no toxins in the air the whole time. This is what I really want to forward. There's no toxins. There's no toxins. There's no toxins. There was no focus on water and soil and surface testing. The only thing we were told is that air quality meters were better the next day. People were let back into their homes. This is a 100% fact with absolutely no completed water, well, surface, or soil testing. They went into their homes with a meter that is, you know, not, so it's supposed to be a beginning reading that you follow up with actual lab testing. They took the meter of people's homes and said, here, you know, your homes are okay. But as you know, what is the saying, JBN, when the dust settles? Mm. So they weren't doing the surface testing. So people that weren't sick from the burn symptoms or being by the derailment alone, then started getting sick when they went back to their homes, waking up with rashes all over their bodies. We have people that have been diagnosed with chemical bronchitis, pneumonia, you know, dermatitis, nausea, headaches. And that's when people started understanding that, you know, something's being hidden from us. Then the EPA put out this scathing report that Norfolk Southern did not let anyone know until two hours after the derailment that it happened. They didn't report everything that it was. We had 50,000 gallons of of oil go into our ground. It has, they're called forever chemicals that are in that PFAs. And we are surrounded by agriculture. 75% of my groceries come from local farms from April to November. Oh my God. People don't want to buy from them. Their businesses are failing. People are out of their homes but can't afford rent and they're getting sick in their homes. But Norfolk Southern isn't offering any like relocation while they clean up. The EPA, I mean, to be honest, we've, we've been, we've been failed. And, and unfortunately, what is happening is everybody wants to finger point. But what I'd like to say in like a minute, if I can, and then I'll give it back is unfortunately with our area, this is the rust belt. You hear about that a lot. Where we live was filled with steel mills, all these things. This is layered environmental degradation that happens in our area. So each time an industry fails, it's replaced with something else like fracking or waste incinerators or things like that. And we're all missing what's called a sacrifice zone. Mm-hmm. So in our area is like the poorest people in the country. We're in Appalachia. Like we have some of the poorest counties around. And they set up in these places because they can offer jobs. Like my father, he worked for 34 years in the mill. He has bilateral asbestosis rheumatoid arthritis sitting in a chair most of the time now. So these these men and women now are giving their bodies to these industries and then we live by these industries and these trains go, you know, by, by our, I mean, I have a trap behind my house, you know, through our neighborhood. So there's such a tie to commerce with our area that it's almost like we're being sacrificed for the almighty corporate profit. And unfortunately, 
This week, we have a waste incinerator in our county. It's a little farther south of East Palestine. It has had hundreds of violations. It is, I mean, RBO started with suing the federal government in this waste incinerator because there were all kinds of studies that showed that there were increased cancer rates, asthma rates, all these things in the area. We were promised on Friday that the waste from the cleanup site from East Palestine would not go there by the government. On Sunday night, they secretly took it there because no one else would take it. And now they're incinerating it. So now not only our wells, our oil, our soil for 20 years is affected, our animals, they're finding more dead water, aquatic animals. But like this is decades of consequence. And Justin, he lives near the incinerator. So he lives a little bit farther away from the derailment. But now he's there. Justin, I'd like to ask you. So uh, Justin Garner is the communications director for LGBTQI plus representation for River Valley organizing. One thing that I've thought a lot about and write about is queer people in rural America and how oftentimes queer people in rural America are really some of our most forgotten people. And obviously being LGBTQIA is an intersectional experience. You can be white, black, you can be Asian, you can be Latina, you can be literally anything and queer in these spaces. We know that people experiencing homelessness in a young queer population is especially high in these areas. Like if someone is like, you know, kicked out of their home or like doesn't have like financial security or housing security because of their sexual orientation or gender expression, how is the community, the queer community doing in East Palestine? And how can people help? Yeah, absolutely. So it definitely is a different environment than like what you would see in a city. And I think that's a given. But a a lot of people are very in the closet or if they are even out, they're very subdued. There's not a lot of like gender expression. There's not a lot of, I would say, community in our area. When I moved back, I came from Columbus, but my family, I've been born and raised here. I was doing drag down there. And when I came back, I'm like, there's really nothing like that around here. So me and some of my friends, we started hosting drag shows in our area. And it was funny because there were so many straight people that came or people that were so different from us. I mean, people that work on farms or people that, you know what I mean? Just people that stereotypically you wouldn't think would come and support that. But I mean, we've really just seen like an outpouring of support and coming into this role. Like that's really something that I'm passionate about is just bringing more representation here, being able to educate people here, kind of breaking down those walls that, you know, we're, we're all the same. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like, you know, we're all united just as a a human being and, just kind of on a um a different note of that i just wanted to thank you just as a queer person just for breaking down walls of gender expression for me personally living in an area like this like it has just it is honestly changed my life and i just thank you so much for that you cry on this live stuff that we got to talk about his policy but thank you so much it's like really kind of you to say So that like literally meant like so much to me what you just said. That was really so sweet. And I didn't mean to say stop talking. You just like, uh, sorry. I just am like, it's not about me. I want to talk about you guys. 
Justin, how long have you been back? I moved back in 2020. 2020. Uh, I'm also like extremely bad at taking compliments, which is weird because I tell people to be better at that all the time. And then I'm like incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable talking about it. Anyway, so, and I just like immediately start crying. So I think this, this is a question for both of you. When this first happened, not to be one of those people that makes it about me, as I just was like, I don't want to make this about me. There's a train that goes down in Austin, like goes right through the center of Austin, like all the time. And it used to wake me up when I lived downtown in our production offices, like when we first did Queer Eye here. And when that derailment happened in East Palestine, I was like, there are trains everywhere. So Warren, was this something that y'all knew about or had your eyes on or did this catch y'all equally as off guard? And then two, like who was taking the possibility of an accident like this seriously and who like has not been? This was not a surprise. We actually warned the EPA uh, in 2014. So River Valley organizing started in a living room of our founder, Amanda Kiger. And one of our first things that, you know, we did was about the trains. And we had a campaign, not just us, several different large national affiliates and different, you know, people in the environmental org started a thing called Bomb Train. And we tried to tell the EPA that, you know, with the increase in fracking that's happening in our area, because we have that shale here in Ohio and in Pennsylvania that you do down in Texas right. as well, which is where like fracking really originated in the United States. People, you know, started doing it down there. A lot of these materials coming back and forth and also to make plastics. And so really it's all combined. We're not trying to make it a beyond the derailment, but really this is all connected to the oil and gas industry too. So we kept telling them Norfolk Southern, not just them, but other railroad companies, but especially them are having safety violations, 71 million in violations they've had. And 21 million is just an environmental safety. But if a corporation has that much money that they would rather like subvert, like they're like, I'll just pay the fine. Yeah. Like I'll just get the speed. There was actually a letter that came out before the derailment that basically said that they're running in a way that they're not going to lose profit. So we've been putting it out there that these trains are going very fast through residential neighborhoods with lowered restrictions and with these toxic chemicals. And it's just a matter of time before we have a catastrophe. That's what we kept saying. So unfortunately, during the Obama era, they had some different regulations that they upped on with the railroad. But you know, that changes time to time. So Trump got rid of some of those safety regulations. And then it's been two years and the Biden administration hasn't done anything to get those back. And because the Biden administration, I mean, Trump did away with it from an executive order. So it could have been reinstated, the increased regular, or could it not because of that Supreme Court oh. decision that said that the EPA like can't enforce things as much anymore. Some of the things could have been like, they do like precision scheduling. So here's the thing, that train that wrecked, it broke down on February 1st in Madison, Illinois. And three of the employees from Norfolk Southern told CBS News anonymously that they called corporate and said, this train's too heavy. It broke down. We're very concerned about derailment. So they knew and they kept the precision scheduling. So that's one of the things that those safety regulations. Also, there's enough blame to go around because I literally just wrote down blame. Listen, corporate greed and profits is number one. Norfolk Southern is, you know, like a $55 billion company. They made $8 billion in profits. 
in just one year, 2021, that was just their profits was about $8 billion. And when you think about the corporate tax rate, these corporations don't have to pay anything for safety, community safety, for the environment. Like they don't have to put anything in for everything they take out. Now, I do have this little thing I wanted to just venture. And I was curious about your guys' thoughts. This is years of deregulation. Republican politicians favor deregulation and have deregulated. Courts who have judges appointed by Republicans have also been working in hand with corporations to deregulate. So it's like when you think about a singular event, when it's up against systems, it's easy to say or not for you guys to say I'm seeing in the comments like Biden this, Biden that. And I get it. Like, should Biden be there? Absolutely. Should he do everything that he can do to reinstate any sort of safety measures that he can from an executive order around train safety? Absolutely. Should have done it on day one. And also, this isn't a reason to completely stay on your ass and like not get involved because part of why these things do happen is because so many people don't fucking pay attention. When there are people like you two working so hard from River Valley organizing to bring attention, and then it takes a disaster for us to realize that we're not safe. So we actually really need to like wake up and pay attention more often. I mean, that was the same thing with monkeypox. It's been the same thing with so many things where like, The only people who give a fuck are the people who are directly affected. And we need to be more caring about our people because it literally could be any of us. So anyway, sorry, I freaked out. I totally agree with what you're saying. Just to be like totally honest about River Valley organizing is nonpartisan. We're a 501c3. So we really don't care what side of the aisle you're on, but we are progressive. So our politics, our issues are things that, you know, we have progressive mindsets. So it really is our job to give it to everyone that needs to do, you know, different. But I think one thing that really needs to get pointed out, and this is this, like you said, this is a lot of conservative politics, but also, unfortunately, it's made its way into moderate politics Yeah, uh, that are a little less progressive is that we all have this type of commerce. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like our government depends on our area. It really does. But unfortunately, you know, people can feel like they're forgotten in this area and like, okay, we're doing the commerce for the whole United States, like in a lot of these areas, but then like where the attention and the money goes is the coast. So that's how like a lot of people feel about that. But I think you're right. Our number one focus, to be honest, is Norfolk Southern. Yeah. Like, and if I say Norfolk, I'm sorry. So live in Norfolk and you don't say Norfolk. So (laughs) that's... (laughs) One of the the biggest, biggest things is understanding that no matter what, they're lobbying, okay? So they're lobbying our Congress right now to not have any conductors on their trains. They're lobbying to have these trains in five years have no conductors with the technology that they're building. And they're already one less conductor than what most people feel is safe. I mean, these are conductors who are saying this. These are actually workers for the union because this isn't just about us. Their union, when they fought for their pay, people were like, oh, they just want to get paid more. No, they were fighting for their safety. They're not even allowed to take a day off because it can mess up with the precision scheduling. So there's a little bit of blame for everyone. And listen, what you should be doing is Especially if you're under 40, please listen to me. I'm barely under 40, so this doesn't come to me. But please, 
please, please be more involved in the civic process. Instead of wanting to pull out of politics and saying the politics or issues or organizing isn't going to do anything, if everybody says that, then it won't. But we need people, you know, of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all races, of all genders, of all, you know, everything. We need representation. So please use this as a way to be more involved. And one of the things you were talking about, the LGBTQIA community during this. So I have a story and then I'll give back to whoever. But I have a friend that I've met through this. Her name's Melissa and she called Moo is her nickname. Moo's awesome. She's hysterical. She's loving. She's awesome. You know, she was unhoused before this and she got she got her apartment in East Palestine a day before the derailment after she fought to get this apartment for six months. And now she's couch surfing again. You know, this this is just this is just a few of the stories. And we we need people to realize, and I have to say this. Our government should serve all people, no matter how they voted. And I've heard a lot of people say the people around here, you know, a large swath of them voted for Trump and he lowered the regulations. And this is what we get. Do we say that to women when we're pro-choice or do we say that to women? You know, no, we don't. But no one deserves this. Like, Right. And people around here. Yeah. Like I didn't vote that way, but. I still think that those people deserve to be advocated for because that's what, if we really are trying to change America to be what we say we are instead of what we think we are, we have to do that. And I I know it's hard because of a lot of the bigotry and the hate that's been spread by people that vote that way. But people around here, especially in EP, they just want to make sure their kids aren't going to have cancer in five years. They, they just want to make sure that you know, their water's okay. We had people in a room that voted all across the spectrum that were coming together to say, we don't give, like, I had one lady looked at me and she said, you were in a protest last year. I was on the other side of that protest. She grabbed my arm and said, I'm so glad that we can, you know, understand that there's mutual causes and maybe we can learn from each other. So I think that this situation has really shown people that we need to start talking to each other more and it may change minds and it may change things. Yeah, that maybe it's like capitalism is the enemy and not each other. I mean, it's really hard when someone is like spewing really intense, like transphobic misinformation or like, you know, homophobic misinformation. But one thing I try to remind myself when I come in contact with one of those types of people is that they have been given misinformation by right we folks to scare the ever-living shit out of them. So it's like when people are coming from fear, like they aren't coming from love, even though some of them think that they are coming from love. His group, like I want you, I want to like give a shout out to them. Like I want you to give a shout out to all your groups, but they have changed the valley in three years. Like a lot of the closeted community has come out and is celebrating with each other. We're planning pride around here now. Their drag has really changed this valley, and I, I'm looking forward to what it's going to do. 
there's just so many questions and comments on like how people can support and get in and you know advocate and work shoulder to shoulder with y'all i think one thing you need to do yesterday is everyone if you're on this live and you're still watching and you're vibing follow at river valley organizing on ig like yesterday what else can people do to get involved our link tree on our instagram bio we keep that as up to date as possible. Justin and I are working on the website right now, so we're not really directing people towards it, but we're a nonprofit, so we keep that website up even as we're working on it. It's part of our parameters. Go into our link tree. We have petitions, ways to donate. Just so you know, we're a 501c3, so what our money will go to, if you're wondering, we're going to do independent soil and water testing, and that's with the University of Pittsburgh, Carnegie for short term, and then the University of Kentucky is working on their IRB review. An IRB review is an international review board that reviews and makes sure that the scientific process is followed. So we're getting that cleared, and that's going to be through the University of Kentucky. So we're going to be with people for the next three years through this, with testing and those types of things. We're also offering, we're going to have legal clinics. So we are non-soliciting. We're not doing a class action. We're not taking your money. These are fair shake environmental lawyers that are going to come in and just basically give you advice. Give your rights, tell you what's the best advice so you can make for decision for yourself. We're also going to be working with the Clean Air Council in Pittsburgh and providing like free air filters, cleaning supplies, stuff like that. And we're going to continue on our lead organizer's name is Jamie Kaza, and she's right down from the development site. What about the like animal shelters? Not to be one of those people that's like worried about oh, no, cats and dogs for the light bulb, but I do worry, do, do people need, do they, I bet they need help or the cats, like, so do they need help right now? One thing about this area, and it's kind of weird because it's a dual thing, we hunt, but we're very respectful of animals and we have, you know, there are people that wouldn't eat, they don't hunt, now they can't hunt because the animals are, you know. The ASPCA has a shelter, I believe, in Youngstown, Ohio, and there's angels for animals. And that's in Columbiana County, Ohio, if you look it up, and they've been helping take people's pets. So yes. So please look them up, y'all. Yeah, you can Google them. Absolutely. So that's what we're going to be doing. We have a service to power model that we model, and it's actually after the Black Panthers. Yeah. And they're through, what they did. Through was, lunch programs yes. and community like, safety. Yeah. So we do public safety in general. And we have harm reduction programs in East Liverpool, Ohio, and we have an actual syringe exchange program in Portsmouth, Ohio, that works with the health department. We give Narcan. We've seen over 13,000 lives reported as saved in the last three years. Wow. Um, yeah, people are organizing on the streets. They're saving one another. They're reducing overdose rates. Like we were number three in Ohio in overdose rates in East Liverpool. It went to down to the 16th spot. So. Uh. What we're doing is we're organizing out of that service, getting people civically involved. So register to vote, ballot initiatives, be involved in the process and also giving them their autonomy. Like, I mean, that's all at River Valley organizing. Yeah, we do, do a lot of different stuff. Did so, y'all? And did our Viro really organizing fucking train. Yeah. And Viro was our first heart and it's what we do. Like, you know, it's our thing. But we also started in the harm reduction stuff because the drug war has ravaged Ohio, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. And we are working to end that. So I'm a harm reduction queen. I love harm reduction. It is like so major. I yeah. am obsessed with it. We love harm reduction. We love, I just love you guys so much. Unfortunately, where we live, we work from the upper Ohio River Valley and East Liverpool clear down to Portsmouth in the lower Ohio River Valley. 
So it's considered Appalachia, you know, all the way down. And environmental degradation is one thing. We have, you know, a lot of poverty. We have a lot of, you know, overdose. And these things are all connected. Like, that's what we're trying to show is that, you know, we have areas where people live in areas where their families work at these factories and they're sick and kids are being born with, you know, delays and developmental issues. And then they're becoming in the system and then they get in the system and then they're in mass incarceration. And it's it's a cycle that happens in our area that we're trying to break. And we don't need to break people. We need to break systems. Mm-hmm. Like people are the problem the system is the problem and how people react with it so that's very much our focus is yes we do these services but we only do services in a way to build power and let people lead the way like east palestine this entire campaign is being led from people that are actually displaced from their home from east palestine i'm six miles away I'm not going to go in there. And I mean, I've worked with the community. I'm inside the community I'm organizing too. But I mean, like they're taking the hit. They're the ones. They're making the decisions. When we had our public meeting, we sat down after. What are the top five things people want us to demand? Let's talk about it. It's community led because unfortunately in the enviro community or the activism community, there's a lot of paid advocacy, which we're not against. We're not against advocates. That's just not what we do. So everybody in our organization, whether you're a comms director or a development director, you do some type of on the ground organizing. We want to follow up with you too, like, because in the summer, we're going to start doing a lot more. He's doing the comms stuff right now, but in the next few months, he's going to be launching, you know, his campaign more. And we would love to. Yeah, please. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a long term, you know, process of healing for you guys. I think that a lot of times when people go, through a traumatic event, we think that like, you know, it's over quickly or you can like, I, I write in over the top, like I wish I could put my trauma in like a nice cute little box and like put it on a shelf and be like, okay, like, but like, I'm in a fucking chemical spill. Like this is going to be like a decades long thing. And it's really when the camera crews leave, that's when it really has. So however we can support, however we can amplify you in future, we are here for it. We love you. I also think that it is literally people like river valley organizing who will help us like navigate through these incredibly difficult times both on like a like right now scale and like a long-term scale so i just am so grateful for both of your work this person did ask a few times do we know how the figures for how many people are affected just in columbiana county there's about a hundred thousand people i would say we're close to a million people that have been affected there's 5,000 people that are just in East Palestine proper. So it's a small village. Like it's not, of course, I guess 5,000 is small for everybody, but that's the immediate effect. Then out from that, you know, here's one of the things, the way people were exposed and the oil that went in the ground, it's our whole county. So probably about a million, but 5,000 were immediately affected by the derailment. You had said before that I think I freaked out was like about the controlled burn and how there is no such thing as a controlled burn. So that stuff we saw in the media that one day with that like huge, never seen an explosion, like plume of smoke that big before. Like, and also I think it looked like it could have been from my hometown. Like it looked just like where I'm like getting cornfields, soybean fields, like farms. Like, so is that what the controlled burn was? Yeah. So. The only way you can really do a controlled burn is if you can control the oxygen and you can't control the oxygen outside. Like it would have to be inside a building, that type of thing. 
Have you ever heard of an aversion cloud? No. Basically, the way the clouds were, it was supposed to take what looked like a pyroclast thing up straight into the air. So unfortunately, we had those high winds and it went everywhere. And they kept telling us that it didn't matter because, okay, all right, I'm just going to say it. They said the shrapnel could travel up to a mile, but they had already evacuated people mostly in that area. And then they waited two more hours, which we haven't really got a good answer to let it go off. And then that was the wrong time and the wind took it everywhere. Why didn't they wait for the wind to die down? They said they didn't have time to wait because it was going to blow up. Uh But I went and got my daughter from school because I thought it was going to be at 3.30 and we're in the next school district. So I didn't want her to be on the bus when this happened. And I picked her up and I was like, okay, nothing's nothing's happening. You know, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden it's six o'clock. My grandma's sick to her stomach. My dad's like, I can't breathe well and I'm feeling weird. And we go out and it's just, you can start to see the air change. And it went as far north as 30 miles and they found fish dead the next day up in Bull Creek, which is 30 miles from East Palestine. And they kept telling us that there was nothing wrong with the water, but there's dead fish everywhere and people are leaving their homes because a lot of people have creeks that run behind their homes. And unfortunately, you know, because you're from Illinois, correct? So I don't know if you have the same basement problem, but because we live on the river with all the waterways and a lot of people live at the bottom of a hill, like with the valley, and their houses are all like a hundred years old. So the basements are not finished. Yeah. And they they take on water. Yeah. And our lead organizers had to leave their home because of that. They were told by Norfolk Southern, they admitted that their house was toxic and they offered them cash for their house to basically stop organizing and getting the community. Yeah. Someone had a really good question, which was, who is they? Was that the government doing the burn, like the EPA, or was that Norfolk Southern? That or was it a collab? See, it was a collab. Our governor was actually at the press conference announcing it, and he was rushed out with all the media because they thought this was going to blow up right then. This was supposed to be Norfolk Southern that was doing this with the state government overlooking. But one of our first things we fought for was for FEMA to come in here. Mm. And because we needed immediate like help, like this was not being handled. But our governor would not ask the president for that help because he said we didn't fit the FEMA thing. So we called all our big partners, everyone, and we got the governor to call the president. And guess what? When he did, we got FEMA relief. So we don't know how they're going to come in. But at first, the cleanup, the burn, all of that was being led by Norfolk Southern. The EPA was there, but really Norfolk Southern was the one like taking the helm. But after everybody flipped out because they weren't trusting that Norfolk Southern was going to clean up properly, the EPA demanded they clean up, but then said that they would be in charge of watching them do it. Mm. So that was a better answer for us because it wasn't just the corporation in there. Right. But I don't want people to be mistaken. We did have state officials here on the ground. We had our governor here. We had a couple photo ops that were happening, you know, those types of things. And EPA, we did have a few federal EPA people that were on the ground here and there were Ohio EPA on the ground here. But we needed the full force of FEMA to be able to come in here with that relief and send more people in because 
One of the big things that should have happened is people should have been relocated for free. Yes. But they wanted the trains to run again. Norfolk Southern. People have got back into their homes at 4.30 by 5.12 the first train came through on the new tracks. Oh, because we got a backlog. Yeah. So that's the issue is that people were being told that their homes were safe to go back to when the EPA and Norfolk Southern knew that they didn't have that full picture. I'm not saying it wasn't true. I'm just saying they knew there wasn't enough. You can't not do water, soil, and surface testing because this is what's been that happened. But now, has there been that testing done now? Now it's happening and there's independent testing happening too because people are, you know, and it's important anyway. One of the things that we challenge the EPA with is they want testing for a full gamut of toxins like VOCs and some different things. And we've, we're pressuring them to add those. One of the main things that they won't test for is dioxin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about dioxin. So dioxin comes off from these chemicals. It falls on the ground. It's everywhere. It's in your home. It's in the grass. It's in those parks with the kids. Every time you step on it, it goes up. It rains. It spreads out every time, you know, these things happen. But the EPA, because they've ignored I mean, for years, this is not administration Biden. This is everybody has ignored that dioxins are a real issue. There's no basis for testing in the federal government. Mm. So they don't want to test for it because they don't have a good enough basis. But unfortunately, this is what would give the picture if our farms could survive, you know, because Mm. the cows are eating the grass, which the dioxin falls on, goes into their milk, is being fed to people. So We have farmers that are losing 70% of their business and not being helped. What is the one going to do about that? He's going to go to a house with our useless representative, Bill Johnson. He's useless. And I hope, you know, he's never going to see this, but he's useless. I want to tell you something. I'm going to say this. I did interviews all through and my interview on Fox News was cut. Because the last 30 seconds of it, I was handing it to him, telling him, don't come for just a photo op. Him and our governor and the EPA administrator went into someone's home and took a sip of water for a photo op. Like, we're not talking about a sip. Come bring your pillow. Come sleep in their beds. Come wake up by the tracks. Come feel the nausea, the rashes, the headaches. That was the most ridiculous Political stunt, one of the worst I've ever seen in my life. And Bill Johnson is tied to oil. He is, he is oil and gas. He is bought by them and paid for. Mike DeWine is taken for Norfolk Southern. Mm. That's the thing. You have to look at who is buying your politicians. And, you know, the fact that both of those people could come from their comfy homes and they could sit there and drink that water. We know you're not going to get cancer or get sick from taking a sip of the water. But if you're here for a year and you're using the things and you were here when it first happened, you know, vinyl chloride causes liver cancer. By the National Health Institute, this is the NIH that's that's saying this. So that's the problem is that the full gamut's not being tested for. And it's also the EPA after these events no matter what administration they're under, they kind of operate the same way where they try to just do a bunch of immediate things and then say, you know, there was one person answering phone calls in the Ohio EPA, one person for East Palestine. That's it. 
And they put a health clinic here through the Ohio Health Department that they said was going to treat people. And really all it's doing is documenting symptoms and referring them somewhere else. They're not getting medicines. They're not really getting any treatment at all. So, yes, our governor, while his face has been, you know, here, you know, those things, he is not holding the feet to the fire that need to happen. And also he lied. Okay. He said that he never talked to Biden, then he did talk to Biden. He said he didn't know these things were coming through Ohio, these trains, because Norfolk Southern doesn't have to tell us. That's true. But everybody knows we did those campaigns. He understands we've written letters. He understands that they're coming through. So we need more. And this is another thing. What we need are people that are going to come and, and do something. And I really think President Biden coming here to show the people here that they're not forgotten because they feel forgotten would be something that would be really yes. awesome. I understand that people don't want to come here because they don't want to be poisoned. I get it. Like, we're already in this. We've already been poisoned. We we understand. But I think, you know, the leader of the free world, as we call him, this is in the top five worst environmental disasters in history. Trained derailments for sure. We're not Chernobyl 2.0. I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, overshooting this. Incredibly serious. That's incredibly serious. So that would be good. And ineffectual politicians like our governor that, you know, yeah, we're we're challenging him. Do more. Tell Norfolk Southern to make a $25 million fund just to start for these people. Not just we're going to pay for cleanup or donate to your high school. Really make them pay yeah. We're going to do a clean, gorgeous, I'm going to offer a Yogi recess moment, which is where both of you get the floor, come to the blog and say whatever you need to say. You want people to know where we can follow you, where we can keep up with you. So Justin, take the floor, darling. Follow us, our link tree at River Valley Organizing. Everything's going to be up to date there. In the Ohio Valley, we are doing more drag shows, promoting community inclusion, And we have a lot of things to roll out in the coming months that I'm really excited about. Also, as a side note, I was told by my partner that I would be yelled at if I didn't. So my partner, Jim, loves Uh, me. So uh, this is for him. uh, uh, We love. He's so sweet. And you're so sweet. And I want to thank you too, like as a, okay. So I'm a woman who grew up in Appalachia, small town. I've traveled the world and everything. I mean, I have a a different perspective of just here, but what you've done for like, I guess, gender and and, or breaking down gender, I guess is what I I don't know how to say it, but some of my roughest times, because a lot of us, if if you don't know this, we all, we all come from church. That's where we were, we're friends, you know, and our Daniel Winston, our, uh, leader is my friend and we come from church and we all met there and you know it hasn't been always the most welcoming place as we've been changing our focus or or doing these things and sometimes turning on the tv just to watch you you know helps me during that and it and when i saw that i missed a message for a week that your show wanted to have me on i started screaming (laughs) i was just Uh. like no, but anyway, that's it. I just wanted to thank Don't worry. You. And you're busy, Queen. You're really, 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 really busy. You know, it, I really can't. That was like one of my biggest goals, like just in my career, was to like break down those boundaries for people. So 
really, if anyone ever says that to me, that is like from a geographic location that reminds you where I'm from. Like I just, this happens immediately. I like can't even like, like my voice starts to shake and my chin's going to like ugly cry. And I'm like, oh my God. But you guys really please do follow River Valley Organizing. I can't wait to talk to y'all again. Thank you so much. We are obsessed. We love y'all so much. We nailed it. Emily Wright, Justin Garner, playing the game, River Valley Organizing, made me cry twice. It's a record. I uh, love you both so much. Stay safe out there. Like so safe. And also it could be really helpful not to be your social media manager, like newly appointed, but it could be really good after we get off this to make a post on your at River Valley Organizing up like your three requests of like what would be the most helpful was that volunteering, whatever, like whatever the three most things would be to kind of like wrap this up for people. I know that we need direct support and it would be great to have a clear like little bit of, you know, explain to people what you really need. So thank you so much for, for everything that you do. We love you so much and stay safe. Thank you guys. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. This was a bonus episode recorded on Instagram featuring River Valley Organizing's Emily Wright and Justin Garner. You'll find links to their work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. And if you want to join us for our next Instagram Live, make sure to follow us on socials. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Curious with JVN. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, honey, introduce a friend and please show them how to subscribe. Our editor is Andrew Carson. Getting Curious is produced by me, Eric Ghetto, and Zara Krim.